and we've come to this last seminar of the Real Life Seminar Stream. And as we know, Jesus saves the best wine for last. So it's my absolute privilege to introduce the man, the myth, the legend, my older brother, Femi Colioso. Come up. But before, before I hand over to him, can everyone stretch out your hands? And we're going to join in prayer together for him. Lord, I just pray that you're with Femi as he talks right now. May it be your words that are coming through him. May it be your Holy Spirit that is moving in him, Lord God. And would you just actually come and rest and settle where we are right now, Lord God. Even now, just as I'm talking, would you come and rest and settle? Prepare hearts, Lord God. Any offense or anything that people are carrying into this place, I pray it will just fall down right now that the word of God may be planted in them. And we all, every single one of us, leave this place changed because of how you've used this man, Femi, as he preaches. We trust in you. We believe in you. Come have your way, Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. How is everyone? You feeling okay? One of my favorite things about New Day, one of my favorite things about New Day is how many teenagers there are. And the reason I really love teenagers, and I'll tell you why, because teenagers are the most honest group of people in the world. When you want to be, you're very, very honest. And I just love how consistently people will just tell you exactly what they think about you. Do you know what I mean? I got ready this morning. I was feeling fly. And I came out and someone said to me that I was dressed as a tent. <laughs> That's the first thing I got this morning. Do you know what I mean? And I appreciate the honesty. But honestly speaking, how have you guys found this seminar series this week? Have you enjoyed it? I've really, really enjoyed being a part of it. I'm very grateful. And my main thing, the main thing on my heart with this entire seminar series is I want you guys to leave New Day understanding that New Day isn't real life, but you feel like you're equipped to deal with real life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because let me tell you what happens. Tonight we're going to have a wonderful time in God's presence. Then we're going to go to the venue and worship and have a great night, do you know what I mean? Whether it's the lounge, buy loads of donuts, whatever, whatever. Saturday morning comes, real life hits. Pack up your tent and get out. You get home, and from that moment you get home, I have no idea what life looks like for you. I know what it looks like for me. I don't know what it looks like for you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Every single one of you has a very individual and unique story. Even if your siblings born in the same house, grew up in the same house, you all have an individual battle that you're going to go home to fight. And on the first day, we learned that when you suffer loss, those moments in your life when it's dark and it's difficult and it hurts, that's the moment you need to learn how to worship. That's what we learned on day one. Day two, we learned about those moments where you feel like you're not quite fitting in, where you feel like your church isn't really slapping the way that New Day slaps when you feel like you're going back to an environment that doesn't feel like it's Christian, 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 we learn what the church actually means and that we're a part of the church. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we learn about worship. We learn about the church. And then man like TJ yesterday, he spoke and he spoke beautifully and he highlighted some of those things about habitual sins, things that you can't quite shake off, things that make you feel like you're not who God wants you to be. And he taught us how to pray. 
So we've got worship, we've got church, we've got prayer. And it's my, my blessing and honor because today we're going to talk about the word of God. We're going to talk about your Bible. Okay? But let me give you the real life. So my nine to five, my day job is I work in the industry of rock and roll. I'm a drummer. I travel, thank you. I travel the entire world playing drums. But this is the thing. It's a whole world out there. As in, I live in parties. I live in the party environment. Who's ever heard of Glastonbury? I've done it four times now. Who's ever heard of Coachella? I've done it two times now. Do you hear what I'm saying? Everywhere in the world, every continent, party, party, party. This time tomorrow, I'm going to be on a stage somewhere and I'm going to have to get the party going. That's the job. Do you hear what I'm saying? The environment is surrounded by partying. But when we say surrounded by partying, it's surrounded by a lot of things of this world. There's definitely biblical partying, but I don't work in biblical party environments. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm talking about drugs everywhere. I'm talking about sexualization of everything. I'm talking about a lot of the music that you would say I shouldn't listen to because I'm a Christian. Sometimes I end up being on drums playing that song. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm talking about the environment where alcohol is consistently abused. I'm talking about environments where the entire aim, everything about me going to this place is I want to get lit but not Christian lit. I want to get worldly lit. That is the environment I find myself every single day. And I call it work. But let me tell you something. Because I'm a Christian, God can use me to work in that place. Can everyone say amen? Because some of you might not live that lifestyle right now. You're probably still in school. I know for a fact that when I was in school, there was no partying because my parents are not just Nigerian. They're Nigerian and super Christian. Like, there's normal Christian and then there's my parents. They're like super Christian. Now, when they get to heaven, they're going to get like a penthouse suite and stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? So partying wasn't really an option. But here's what's going to happen to a lot of you. You're going to finish your whatever, A-levels, whatever, apprenticeship. You're going to go to uni maybe. Or you're going to go and do a job. Or you're going to move out of the house. And suddenly, you can essentially do what you want. And suddenly you find yourself in this environment that I'm describing all the time. And so the question is, as a Christian, do I completely avoid this environment every time? Or should I go? Femmes, what's the answer? Do I go to freshers at uni? Do I go to freshers? Do I go to all the freshers raves? Or do I say, no, man, I was just at uni. I shouldn't go to the rave. I'm going to go to the chapel. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the question you're going to ask. When, you're, when, your friends, when you're 16 and your friends say, we're going to celebrate our birthday together, and you go to a restaurant or whatever, it gets very different when you're 21 because when they say, we want to celebrate our birthday together, suddenly it's probably not going to be in a restaurant, probably be in a bar, probably be in someone's house, and the whole aim is to drink and party. Do you hear what I'm saying? So then the question is, like, as a Christian, am I meant to be in the party environment or not? And to kind of answer that question for you, 
I feel that God has called us all on different missions. And I don't believe there is any type of person that God doesn't want to be reached by the gospel. We're meant to be the light in the darkness. God needs his agents everywhere. Do you understand what I'm saying? So some of you, your calling might not actually be the party environment. But some of you, it might just be. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some of you are going to go to university and feel in your spirit, I shouldn't even be at this freshest thing. But some of you are going to go to university and be like, I'm so excited about this partying. Maybe that's God saying, yeah, be excited because you're going to find some lost people that need to hear the gospel. Do you hear what I'm saying? Does that mean that I want you to go to the rave with your Bible and get ready to pray on your knees? No, man, have a little dance. But at the same time, be in the world, but not of the world. You can be in the world, but you just don't want to be of it. There's a difference. But this is the thing, and I don't want you to be ignorant to this, okay? There's a certain amount of protection that you need when you go into these environments. Because the Lord knows there have been many times in my life when I've gone into this environment and I haven't gone in ready for war and I've been consumed. Has anyone ever had that experience in their life when you feel completely out of your depth because you haven't prepared? For me, that was my A-levels. I couldn't believe what was going on. I got through my GCSE, slapped them, everything blessed. Year 12, first exam. I went in with my GCSE vibe. I went straight in there like, yeah, we're good, man. You know what I mean? Revise the night before, see what happens. Say big words like however and suddenly and we'll be good. When I got that you, I don't know what, your whole thing's changed. It's like numbers. What's the worst number you can get? A one. So if I got, if it, all right, cool. So a U is like a minus 11 if one is bad. Do you know what I'm saying? It was like, it was a bad time. But let me tell you what happened. I went in with my GCSE mindset and I tried to take on A-levels. If you go in to your next phase of life, the next stage of life with your Sunday school Christianity and you walk into university, you're going to get slapped the same way that history exam slapped me. Do you hear what I'm saying? You need to strengthen. You need to mature. A lot of the times in church, they'll use the phrase, you need to grow in Christ. The party environment is not something I'm about to tell you not to go to because I don't believe in that. I really do believe when it says be in the world, but not of the world. God meant that for a reason because we're meant to be the salt in the light. No one's going to be evangelized to if all Christians avoid that completely. But at the same time, don't be ignorant. You want to go in there feeling strong. And we've learned about that. And the ways to feel strong in these contexts, it is worship, it is prayer, it is your church, but it's also your Bible. And I'll move on. The question that I get asked the most when people speak to me about my job and being a Christian, they essentially ask me, how do you avoid being sinful when you're always in that environment how do you how do you avoid being sinful when you're in such a sinful environment and i'll answer that with a story in the bible the story of david so you got a man like samuel he's a prophet and he comes to an area and he's like god wants to anoint someone i'm looking for the person and the dad comes out and he's like, yeah, I've got like bare sons. I'm sure it's one of these people. And Samuel's like, he brings out the first son. The first son is tall and he's hench and he looks the part. 
it says he was handsome and he was, everything was perfect, you know what I'm saying? And, and Samuel looks at him and says, ah, he's not this guy, you know. And then Jesse's kind of like, okay, let me get my other son, big man, come through. Do you know what I'm saying? This is a word to all my brothers that are like six foot and above. Height is not everything because the other one was tall too. Big man comes through. And again, Samuel looks, he's like, nah, man, this ain't it. And it keeps going and going and going. And then Jesse's like, I don't even have no more sons, you know. And then, he, and then Samuel, Samuel hears from the Lord. He's like, ha, ah, no, there must be something else. And then they're like, oh, yeah, there's one guy at the back. He's just like tending to the lambs and the sheep and whatever. He's playing his harp, but it won't be him. He's mad small. He's not really that guy. And Samuel says, bring him. And he comes through and it's David. And Samuel's like, yes, this is the one that God has chosen. This is the one that God has chosen. And this is the thing. When I feel like, when I read that story, sometimes I look and I'm like, why were all the brothers together but David wasn't with them? Where, 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 why wasn't David with them? And sometimes that's what I feel like the party environment can be like. It's like all your Christian brothers and that are in one place and you're in a place and no one around looks like you. His brothers would have looked like him. Do you hear what I'm saying? No one around looks like you. You're on a slightly different path. You're on a slightly different wavelength. But God is still saying, that's the one I've chosen. Do you hear what I'm saying? When I'm in a party environment, one of the first things that I need to remember is, yo, I'm chosen. God has chosen me. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm cut from a different cloth to these men. I'm slightly different. Do you hear what I'm saying? Our worlds are not quite the same. They're the kingdom of the world. I'm the kingdom of heaven. We're slightly different, fam. I'm chosen. Do you hear what I'm saying? And why did I get chosen? Because Jesus is my father. I belong to something. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I belong to something because he loves me. Jesus loves me. That's why he's chosen me. That's why I belong to this thing. He loves me so much that he died for me. When you remember those things, you have to be different when you're in that party environment because you know you're different because I know who God says I am. Do you hear what I'm saying? I love that song because that is like a battle cry motto to any environment you're going to find yourself in. I know who God says I am. I know what he says I am. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's like when you go into a party environment with that energy, suddenly the whole thing changes. Suddenly they can play any song in the world, but you know, I know what God says. I know who God says I am. This song is saying something very different, but I know who I'm worshiping. It means those moments when the dancing, it gets blurred. It's like, is this dancing or is this something else? But I know who God, has, I know who God says I am. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm chosen. I'm slightly different. I can see this all happening right now. I don't have to scream and I don't have to shout because I've got Jesus by my side. I'm slightly different. When you go into your university halls for the first time, and it's a weird feeling, fam. I went through it. It's like I could do whatever I want. I don't even have to go to the lectures I've paid to go to. I can do anything. But I know that I'm chosen. So I'm going to do what, what honors him. I love the analogy that TJ used yesterday. The reason he's faithful in his marriage isn't because of the vows. It's because of who Esther is. The reason I'm faithful in the party isn't because I'm a good guy. It's because I know who Jesus is. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what keeps me. I can't give you any tools. I can't say to you, only go to this type of bar. Only go to this type of rave. Never go to Ibiza, but you can go to other parts of Spain. There's no point of me saying that to you because that's not how it works. All I can say that 
All I can really say to you is, Jesus has chosen you. Jesus loves you. If you really understand that, it changes your energy in these environments forever. And I'm a living testament of that. Does that mean that I never flop? No, I'm not perfect. But it does mean that I always bounce back and I say, you know what? I am chosen. Even though I don't feel it right now, I am chosen. I might not be special. I might not be clever. I'm not particularly good at anything in my opinion but you know what Jesus Christ has me and that makes me special and that means when I go into these environments it means I can beat it no matter what temptation is thrown at me I feel strong against it but this is the thing you have to know the word of God that is how you remember and understand that level of chosen did you see the way I recited the story of David That is what needs to be on your mind. Now, let me tell you something, and this is very real because I've been through it my whole life. You go to New Day and you hear so much good about your Bible and you go home and it's the very first thing to drop off. Can anyone else relate? Praying can happen. You're still gassed at worship in August and even September, but the Bible reading is almost like it's the first thing to drop off. It's one of the things about this Christian walk I notice we find the most difficult. Hands up if you find reading your Bible difficult sometimes. I can relate. But this is the thing. When you have those words in your heart, when you have those words in your mind, it ends up making you sound like Jesus. And when you sound like that, you sound like someone who is chosen. It's on your mind. It's in your heart. Suddenly, the party environment is not, it's not a big thing to you because it is so on the tip of your tongue, you know what God's word says. Every scenario, you know what God's word says. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Jesus is in the desert. Every time the devil came to him, it was a scripture. Bang! I know what God says. Man must not live on bread alone, but by the word of God. He said it straight at the issue. And that's what I'm trying to be like. Do you hear what I'm saying? An issue comes and the verse comes straight back. But that doesn't come by accident. It doesn't come by knowing loads and loads of worship songs. Contrary to what you might think, worship songs can help, but it's not actually going to give you the word of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can go to church all you want. You could go to really, really, you could go to the best church in the country. But that's not really going to give you the entire word of God. It's going to help though, fam. You can pray hard. Pray, 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 pray. But that isn't actually going to give you the word of God. There comes a point where you have to open the book up and get it for yourself. This is a moment where you have to say, I'm going to take responsibility for this. There's no way of me checking if you're going to read your Bible or not. There's no use in me checking if you're going to read your Bible or not. But what I am saying to you is, when they say that the word of God is like a sword, it's like a weapon... I'm saying to you, if you get this word of God in you, no weapon formed against you will conquer you. Do you hear what I'm saying? And everyone says, amen. So this is what's going to happen. This is going to be one of the most practical things I've ever done by way of preaching because I'm going to teach you how to read your Bible because it's not quite like other books. Anyone ever done the classic? You just opened page one and went for it in the beginning. Be honest. I've run about probably about 50 in the beginnings in my life. Just like, let me go again. 
Genesis 1.1. And it's actually, Genesis 1 is wavy, and 2 and 3, but it's around the 7-8 mark where it's like, all right, Lord, this book is big, you know, like, what's going on? You know what I mean? So, it's a confusing book, but the reason it's confusing is because a lot of us haven't really had a Bible study where we've learned how to use it. So right now, we're going to have a quick Bible study, and I'm going to teach you how I read my Bible, okay? Many a great man and woman will say, that's not right, Fems, but this is just all I know, okay? So I'm going to need every single one of you to get some sort of Bible in front of your eyes, whether it's with your bedroom or whether you have a Bible. Hands up if you don't have a Bible. Be brave. Be honest. Keep your hand up if you've never owned a Bible in your life. Everyone here has owned a Bible before in their life. Have you never owned a Bible in your life? All right. Let me give you one. That's for you. Welcome to the squad. I want to show my age real quickly. When I was younger, you know like how right now the like the song you lot all want to li- listen to is like who could, who told you bad man blah blah blah. That's like your new day song. It's the song I've heard the most. Do you know what I'm saying? When I was younger the song was called Bibles Bibles. Do you know what I'm saying? None of you have a clue what that song is, innit? If you are, it's because you're over 26. But yeah, anyway, if it was a New Day seminar 10 years ago, I would have just sung the whole song and everyone joined in, but it'd be awkward now. But anyway, so we're going to learn to read our Bibles. Can everyone turn to Genesis chapter 22? I'm going to talk through it, but I just want you to have it in front of you. Okay, I'm not going to actually read it point for point. I'm just going to talk through the situation. But essentially, this is the story of the sacrifice of Isaac. So, context. Abraham has been praying to God for baby for time. And he's like, oh, it's not going to happen. And then suddenly it happens. And then one day, God wakes him up early in the morning, verse 2, and says to him, yo, I want you to go up to the mountain. I want you to sacrifice your son. Abraham is like, What? Do you know what I'm saying? So obviously, it says that Abraham rose early in the morning. I actually think that Abraham didn't sleep a wink. You know, when you have bad news coming the next day, you don't sleep properly. I don't think Abraham slept. And so Abraham goes up to the mountain with Isaac. Do you know what I'm saying? He brings one bedroom, and then after a while, he's like to him, don't worry, we'll take it from here. And he walks up to the mountain, and Isaac's obviously like, fam, why are you acting bare weird today? And Abraham's like, don't worry, the Lord will provide. We'll keep it moving, verse 8. And they keep on going, and they go, and they go. And then it's like, God like yeah i want you to sacrifice isaac and so he's like ah this is peak my only son my one and only son but you know what let's do it and he puts him on the altar and as he's about to go and sacrifice his son god provides a ram and says hey hey, hey i see your heart abraham i see what you're doing don't worry about it you don't have to sacrifice isaac and the lord provides a ram and then he puts the ram on the altar instead of abraham and sacrifices the ram Oh, it must have been so awkward after. That's what I always think. Like, can you imagine if your mum or your dad tried to sacrifice you and then it kind of ends and then now we've got to walk back down to the mountain. We've got to walk back home. I'd be like to my dad, like, fam, what's going on? Do you know what I'm saying? And that's the story of the sacrifice of Isaac. Now, there is so much in that story. If you just read it for what it is, you probably only get 5%. But that's not how the Bible works. It's deeper than that. Now, one of my favorite meals 
is Jollof rice. Amen. But I have to specify, it's Nigerian Jollof rice. Do you know what I mean? Some other people messed it up a little bit, but anyway. But this is the thing, you can't just have Jollof rice on its own. What else needs to be involved? Okay. So you need some sort of meat. You hear that? You need some sort of meat. And then depending on the day of the week, it's either salad, coleslaw, plantain. But you need one of the three at least. Do you hear what I'm saying? And then once you've lashed the rice, the meat, and the salad, you need a little drink. Wash it down with a super malt. Do you hear what I'm saying? And that, that's, the, that's the link up. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, think of that meal. I need you all to picture that meal. The rice, the meat, the salad, and the drink. This is how I read my Bible. Okay, concentrate. This is how I read my Bible. Every time I open my Bible, I need to be fed. I'm looking for the rice. I'm looking for the salad. I'm looking for the meat. I'm looking for the drink. That's what I want to get. Okay? What is the rice? The rice is the main message of the portion of scripture. The main message. The main point. The rice is the main meal. It's not called chicken and jollof. It's called jollof and chicken because the jollof is the main part. The rice is the main part of the meal. It's the carbohydrates. It's the most sustaining point. Looking at the story of Genesis 22, what's the main point that God is trying to tell me in this scripture? He is trying to tell me trust in the Lord because God will provide. That's the main point. Do you hear what I'm saying? The main point, if you ask me, Fems, give me a Bible story on trusting in the Lord because God will provide, I will say Genesis 22. That's the main point. If someone says, what is, give me a story on putting God first, I will say read Matthew 6. That's the mainest point. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's the main point point do you remember when when pastor kemi spoke on monday and she she spoke on that really painful story of scars and to do with the guy sleeping with his sister and then all of that man what was the main point of that portion of scripture it was to do with pain and loss and hurt that was the main point god oh What's the story on on really, really trusting God for a miracle? I will say, read Exodus and check out my boy Moses. That's the main point. The rice is the main point. You will not always get the rice in one chapter. Sometimes it will only take one verse. Sometimes it will take one book. Sometimes it may take several books to get the point. Ezra and Nehemiah, you kind of need to read them all the way through to get the point. This is what sometimes when people say some parts of the Bible are complicated and some parts aren't, a lot of the times what they're saying is some parts take a long time to get the rice, some parts the rice is right in front of you. The book of Luke is just a rice session, just rice, rice, rice. The main point is right there in every single chapter. Do you hear what I'm saying? The book of Numbers, hang in there. Do you hear what I'm saying? The main point is the rice. When we're looking at Genesis 22, 
it's the main point is the rice. Now, this is what I say. This is the thing. When I read a portion of scripture like that, I will write in my Bible, story on God providing. And suddenly, that moment in my life when it's like, Lord, I've just failed my A-levels. I'm now in clearing. I don't know what to do. Will you provide? Can you provide? Oh, yeah, Genesis 22, fam, that ram. So the same way you provided that ram, would you provide me with the next step in my education? Lord, I'm praying that my parents would stop arguing. This household is toxic. It is affecting me. I go to school angry because of what is happening at home. I need peace, Lord. Can you provide that peace? Oh, yeah. You provided that ram for Abraham. You can provide peace for me. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's why you need to write in your Bible, God provides. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's the rice. It will become a maze if you don't annotate it. Anyone else into whose team Bible on their iPhone? Now, who's like super saved and team Bible on their iPad? Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. That's my vibe as well. That's like the modern day preacher, iPads. Now, who's team pen and paper Bible? That's the real team. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Your powers to make your physical Bible your own are far deeper than the one on the iPad. They're trying, but it's not the same. I like the Bibles with a gap on the sides so you can really, really write into it. Who here is team iPhone Bible but doesn't have a real Bible? Put your hand up. You were first, fam. Here you go. This is the best journaling Bible I found in the whole bookshop. It's yours. Come and get it. Come get it. Fam, this book is so wavy because it's like the Bible, but there's bare space so you can make it your own. But the first thing you need to write in it is Genesis 22. You're going to write, God will provide. And in brackets, say, like this Bible. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, God will provide. Amen? That's the rice. Let's move on. Okay, let's move on. The salad. The salad is context. The salad is context. Salad on its own is not a meal. And everybody said, context on its own is not a meal. You need something else to bulk it. Do you know what I mean? All my bodybuilding brothers and that, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but salad and meat and we're good. You still need the meat though. Do you hear what I'm saying? Salad on its own doesn't do much. I'll give you some salad and I'll leave it there. So when I, give, when I say salad, it's the context. It's the part of the Bible that won't necessarily jump out to you. It's the part of the Bible that it won't necessarily be written in the Bible. Sounds confusing. Essentially, it's the part of the Bible where people have studied and grown to understand the context something was done in. Does that make sense? So, for example, let me give you some salad. They say that Goliath was bare tall. In the Bible, they describe it in units that don't make much sense to us. Goliath is, you know, 56 pieces of silver tall. I don't know. That doesn't mean much sense to us. I'm working in feet or meters. But people have gone back 
and worked out what exactly does these pieces of silver height mean. And then they've provided the context. Suddenly, when you read David and Goliath, you're like, oh, he was actually like tall, tall. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's the context. Me just saying to you, Goliath was this tall doesn't mean anything. When you understand that the rice is you can overcome your battles, then his height makes sense. Do you hear what I'm saying? The salad on its own doesn't do much, fam. But when you have the context, it changes stories. It changes the whole way you read it. This context is what lacks in a lot of our Bible reading. A lot of us, and I've fallen into this trap, we get like our verse of the day, and that's it for the day. Yeah? And if you've never read the Bible, it's a good place to start. But a lot of the times, you will have zero context if you only read one verse. Sometimes, you need to read a chapter, and on top of that, you need to read something that has been written or spoken or said that provides context. This is the point of sermons a lot of the time, to provide some context. This is the point of some very, very good books that you read alongside your Bible. I don't really necessarily believe that Christian books can replace the Bible. I don't like it when people talk about Christian books, Christian books, Christian books. Have you read your Bible? Not really, but I read this Christian book, fam, Bible. But at the same time, there's a place for Christian books because they can provide context, okay? Let me show you one of my favorite books, fam. And I'm a real one, innit? I, I notice that, like, New Frontiers conferences, when people shout out a book, it's just their mate's book, innit? They ain't even read it. But this one I've read. <laughs> This one I believe in, yeah? I don't know this guy. I want to meet him one day because I want to say thank you. These books, there's many types of books like this, but essentially it's a book about a book in the Bible. And all it does is it gives me context. He studied the Greek and the Hebrew and all of that. I, I'm, I'm not, I haven't done that. Probably unlikely to happen anytime soon. But he's done it for me. So then I get all the context from it. Who wants this book? Kemo, you shouted. No, 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 sorry. No, uh, I was going to say I've given too many jubilees, but because I said your name. All right, you can have this one. Here you are. Thank you. But look, I've got one more. One more. Someone. Okay, in this corner over there, I want you to have it. But the only condition is, before I give it to you, you have to read it when we finish New Day. Is that a deal? I'm talking to you with the slightly blonde hair. Put your hand up. Yeah, fam. But you have to read it. Yeah? All right, thank you. You're going to read the book of Luke. It will change your life just like it changed mine. But these books provide context. This contextual thing about the Bible is important. Let's get back to Genesis 22 that we were just looking at. So, Abraham has his son Isaac and is walking to sacrifice him. Abraham... Father, Isaac, son. Immediately, you guys have the image of someone that is about eight years old. Am I correct? Am I correct? Now, let me bring some context. Isaac was about 30 years old when that happened. Oh, stories changed. Stories changed because hands up youth leaders if you're around 30 years old. Around means you can't be over 40 around 30. TJ, my brother, is 27. He's around 30 years old. He's nearly there. Now, this is the thing. If my dad tried to sacrifice TJ and TJ wasn't up for it, I don't know if it's happening. 
I'll be honest with you. My dad probably thinks it's possible, but I don't think it's going to happen. Now think of the story of Abraham leading Isaac up. When he says, God will provide, it changes that verse. Because now what it tells me, now that I know Isaac's a big man and he's 30, it means that Isaac was confused and Abraham is saying, don't worry, fear not, God will provide. He had so much faith that he was able to lead someone into that faith. It's mad, but it changes the story completely. A lot of the times when you read those stories in your Bible, it might not make sense until you understand the context. One of my favorite bits of salad in the Bible is the story of Samson. I think it's often taught very, very wrong in Sunday school because I was taught that Samson was an absolute hero. Yeah, Samson. And you know that story when it's like Samson went and he tore the lion up, killed the lion with his bare hands, and then he went and he got the honey out of the dead carcass. Now, that sounds impressive until you realize the context, the salad. Samson was a Hittite. Part of being part of that tribe meant you were never meant to touch something that was dead. Samson wasn't meant to touch dead animals. He went into the carcass dead animal to get the honey. Suddenly, it changes the story of Samson. You realize Samson is a story about backsliding. Slowly, slowly, slowly. But you would never have got that if you didn't know the context. I would never have got that if I didn't read one of them books that give me the context. That is the salad. The rice is the message. The salad is the context. What is the best part of a meal? Sorry for all the vegans and that. But the meat is the best part or the, or the mushroom or the tofu at the end or whatever. But the thing at the end that is like, I'm one of those people that eats the rest of the food and leaves my chicken on the side until I'm ready to actually give it my full attention. Do you know what I'm saying? That's me personally. But here it is. Every part of the Bible has some meat. What is the meat in your Bible? It is Jesus, the Lamb of God. Hey, you got me? Jesus is the meat. It's the main point. It's the best part. It's the reason we're here right now. I'm not really here for the jollof. It's just decoration till I get to that chicken, fam. Do you hear what I'm saying? The Bible all points to Jesus. Every story points to Jesus. That is what you need to be looking for. You need to look at the meat. Some of it will be right there at you. The brother that got the book about Luke, the whole way through Luke is Jesus, 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 Jesus. Some places, let's take the entire Old Testament, he's not quite there as obviously. But let's look back at Genesis 22. Because... Abraham is about to sacrifice his one and only son. But then in the bush, there's a ram who takes the place of that son. That son that was meant to die because of sin, the ram comes and takes its place. The ram comes and it dies in its place for the sins. That ram, who is that ram? Ah. What is a baby ram? It's a lamb. Do you hear what I'm saying? All the way in Exodus, it's pointed towards Jesus. And consistently through the Bible, every moment you see Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? You just have to look. Some places you just have to look really hard. Some places it's like Elijah is prophesying that unto us a son will be born. That's Jesus he's talking about. Do you hear what I'm saying? And in the beginning... There was the word, 
Genesis chapter 1, and then you get to John 1, and it says that the Word is God. That's Jesus right at the beginning of the Bible. We're talking about the whole book of the Bible points towards Jesus. Jesus is there. It's just sometimes hard to find. Some books, it jumps out to you immediately. Some you have to search a bit harder. But that is the point of it all. You have to ask yourself when you're reading your Bible, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Because he? he's there somewhere. And right here in the sacrifice of Isaac, we realize Jesus is that ram that came to take the sins for the world. Can everyone say amen? Amen. So you've got your rice, you've got your salad, and you've got your meat. And what was the last point? It's your drink. Now, when I'm out in the world and I'm out partying, it's the spiritual drinks that nourish and sustain me almost the most. The rice, the salad and the meat, they're in me. But it's those moments when temptation comes to you, but you're like, no, a man shall not live by bread alone, but on the word of God. That's what God said. Do you know what I mean? It's a drink. The drinks are the quick verses in the Bible you can just use. Quick one. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's the moment that you feel ugly, but you say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Hey, drink, bang. It's the moment that you're like, fam, I don't fit into this university at all. I've got no friends. But then it's like, oh, yeah, but he knows all the hairs on your head. He's here of you right now. Quick. Do you know what I'm saying? It's the moment that, that you feel like, I, I feel terrible. I've, I've messed up. But it says that Jesus died for all of our sins. Quick drink. It's the moment that you get to an exam and you're like, how am I going to do this? But I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you know what I'm saying? See them drinks? You need them on your head. You need them in your heart. You need them on the tip of your tongue. You're only going to get that if you learn to read your Bible. I love when the Bible app flashes out one quick verse to you in the morning. Has anyone else got that notification on? They're like, it's like a, the first drink of your day. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's the first moment. It's like quick drink. You can't live on drinks alone. Hear that again. You cannot live on just drinking. Yeah? At the same time, you can't live your whole Christian walk on just these quick, stylish, beautiful verses. You can't live the whole thing. But let me tell you, when you're feeling a little bit tired and down and you're surrounded by things that are really hard, you realize that, oh, let me take a, a, really, a really quick drink. The Lord says, I will never leave nor forsake you. Oh, quick drink. That's what I needed right now. I can get on with my day. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? Because this is the thing. To kind of conclude, you're going to go into environments that don't feel like this, that don't look like this. But when you take your worship seriously, like Toby said on day one, when you, you take your church life seriously, like Faria said on day two, when you learn to pray, not just in the corporate setting, but you learn to pray for yourself, like TJ said on day three, and when you learn to read your Bible, the whole Bible, you get the rice, the salad, the meat, and the drink. Suddenly, you don't need New Day to keep your spiritual walk strong because Jesus is with you. And everybody said, Amen. <laughs> to completely finish it off, I would love to... 
I would like to do five minutes of questions and that because I don't want anyone to leave confused. And then I want to pray for you. Before we get into that, though, I just want you to understand that a lot of the times when you see people on the stage with a microphone, it has the appearance of you're a good Christian. You've got it all together. That's why you're good. I'm a different person. But let me tell you, let me tell you, I'm, I'm not that guy. My Christian walk is always something where it's like I'm trying to try and try and try. And sometimes I just feel like I'm a failure. Sometimes I feel like I'm a fraud or an imposter syndrome. I just find it difficult sometimes. But let me tell you, because I am, I, when I look at you guys, I see myself. Because I probably would have sat in this seminar as well. And I would have waited it out. And this is the thing that I need to say to you. I'm not, I don't know my Bible the best. I ain't great at praying. I serve at church, but sometimes I find it difficult. I, I, I try and worship, but even some of the songs don't, sometimes it feels like the songs aren't getting through to me. That's my Christian walk. I'm always trying, trying, trying. But let me tell you some cool things that I've learned. I've learned that Jesus loves me. And I learned it because the Bible tells me so. And my Bible has been such a root into me understanding more about church, more about worship, more about prayer. My Bible is how God speaks to me. And even though I'm weak, my Bible makes me strong. I come across as a confident person all the time. It's because I know what my Bible says. And a lot of you right now, your minds are consumed with lies of the enemy. The songs you listen to, the podcasts that you watch, the Instagrams that you watch. It's like there's no space for actual truth. But your Bible gives you so much of that truth. And that is really and truly, to wrap up this entire seminar series, that is what real life is all about. Like I keep saying, have a really good time for the rest of your new day. Praise hard tonight. Pray hard tonight. But remember what we've spoken about this week because that's when it will kick in tomorrow morning and real life starts. But you've got the tools to get through it. And in Jesus' name, we will have testimonies and testimonies and testimonies of how God kept you the entire year. And all God's children said, amen. So like I said, like for five minutes, because I, I, I don't want anyone to leave here confused or with questions on their mind. If there's no questions, that's fine. But yeah, five minutes. Go for it, fam. Yeah. So the question is, I said that you should always look for Jesus in the Bible. And essentially, how do I use that? What's the point of that? Why are we always looking for Jesus? Essentially, it's because he's the way, the truth, and the life. Essentially, Jesus is all you need. Every book of the Bible, everything points to what Jesus did for us. When that is on your mind, you get to know the person of Jesus better and better. The better you know the person of Jesus, the better you start to act like him, think like him, look like him, smell like him. And that is when we start to really become light in darkness, salt to the world. So that's the reason you've got to always try and find Jesus. And like I've said a few times, it doesn't always jump out at you, but you just got to hang in there. Do you hear what I'm saying? Cool. Go for it. Oh, that's such a wavy question. Top five most recommended books in the Bible. I'm going to go straight in. You all need to read 
Philippians. Philippians is like a it's like a, a bar of amazing drinks. It's just good, do you know what I mean? I can do all things. Bang. Good drinks in Philippians. I would say you should all read the book of Luke. Luke walks you through Jesus in such a beautiful and explicit way. I would say when you feel like you're there, when you've got the time to digest it, I would say you should get a Bible study on the book of Exodus and read through that. It's not the easiest book in the world, but the stories and things that God did with Moses really and truly, I think, showed me so much about how the Bible is always there for me. I can do anything. We've got three. Another one. I think a great book for all of you to read would be Timothy 1 and 2. That's one book, but Timothy 1 and 2. That is the ultimate, let me teach you how to do this thing. It's Paul writing to Timothy and being like, just do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. It's the most practical kind of like, you can see that the, the relationship that God wants to have with you. Timothy really, really shows that for me. And the final one that I would recommend all of you to read, I'm trying to give you different types of books. T, help me. Oh, my days. You should read the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms will speak to you in a deep way. That, if you do that properly, I can give you five more next year because that will probably take us to that point. Do you hear what I'm saying? So just to recap, I think I said Philippians, Luke, Exodus, 1 of 2 Timothy, and Psalms. Perfect. Thanks for that question. Go for it, bro. Shout. When you read the Bible, are you supposed to read it page by page like a normal book? That's a great question. It's kind of like sometimes, yes, once in a while, not necessarily. Essentially, if you're opening your book to find a quick drink, it can be verse by verse. This is the verse of the day. But if you want to get your rice, salad, and chicken, it's going to need to be page by page, not necessarily at the beginning, but maybe at the beginning of a book or the beginning of a story, just like we read the beginning of Genesis 22. We could have just shot in at verse 8 because it's wavy, but we got the whole context. That's the answer to it. To add on to that, a lot of people will say to you, the best time to read your Bible is the time that works best for you. I'm going to say categorically, I don't really agree. I don't really agree. And the reason being, and that's, by the way, before I say this answer, just because I don't agree doesn't mean it's right, but it is what it is. I personally think that you should read your Bible in the morning. I think there's something to be said for it to be the first thing. Your time with God to be the first I know that I spent a lot of my life before bed trying to read my Bible. Wake up, 2 a.m., <laughs> Bible's still open on the pillow. I don't even know what I read. I don't know who I read. Do you know what I mean? We start again tomorrow. I feel that what you need to do, if you're serious about this walk, whatever time you carve out to get ready to school, I'm about the business of cutting out 15, 20, 30 minutes before then, and having your time with God before that point. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like I said, many a great person will say you're wrong. But that's just what I believe. So yeah, take it how you will. A couple more. Go for it.
Wow, that's a great question. When you read your Bible and you don't really understand what you've read and you don't get it, should you read it again and try and get it? Or should you just pray and try and understand it again? Or should you just move on? Personally, I feel like it depends on the scenario and the, and the moment. If I've decided I'm going to read the book of Daniel, uh, I want to read about Daniel, yeah? The first five or six chapters, we really understand it. Daniel, Lion's Den, keep it moving. It's around chapter seven or eight, it becomes a madness, yeah? And I didn't understand it. At that point, I said, Lord, I love you. Let me just get back into Philippians for a bit and then we'll, we'll revisit this another time. Sometimes there's a place for that. Not all things are going to be understood. I'm not really there yet. I'm not taking down Leviticus at the moment. Do you know what I mean? I'm not there yet. So sometimes I just have a look at it and I'm like, you know what? This is for another time. Sometimes you might be praying and it's like God has something for me in this scripture. Let me give it another go. Let me read another study. Let me see if there's another angle to help me understand it. You have to almost call it once in a while how it's going. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes I feel called to read a whole book. And in those scenarios, sometimes I'll move on from a part that I don't understand. Sometimes I feel like God has led me to a passage of scripture and we're not moving until I get it. Do you hear what I'm saying? So that's kind of the answer for that. I'll take two more and then we'll call it. Go for it. Yeah, you. Uh, the question was, if two people read a verse and interpret differently, does that mean that one of us is wrong or can we both be correct? It really and truly depends on the debate you find yourself in. If we're reading John 3.16 and we're not on the same page, I will confidently say that you are wrong. I understand that Jesus loves the world so much that he gave his only son I under, that, that to me is crystal clear. If we don't agree on that, we're on different pages. However, there is a point where sometimes we're reading it in, a, in almost like at different levels. The way that I just interpreted Genesis 10, 22, I'm pretty sure in 10 years time, if I was to read it again, God will speak something new through it. You know, like a good comedy film, every time you watch it again, you see another joke somewhere. Do you know what I mean? That for me is a film called School of Rock. Every time I watch School of Rock, something else happens. It's like, ah, that's another good joke. Do you know what I'm saying? The Bible can almost be like that, where you read it once and you see one thing. You read it again. You're like, oh, I didn't even clock that last time. And then you read it again and it's like, oh, I didn't even see that. And sometimes your disagreement can be, you've just seen one part of it that I haven't seen yet. That can be a type of disagreement. Sometimes the disagreement is you've just seen what you wanted to see. And I've seen what was actually there. So you have to call it on a place-by-place basis. I can't say to you, one of you is right, one of you is wrong. But what I would say is, if you fall in love with these good books that have a place of like commentary and understanding, you'll get kind of like where you'll get a neutral ground which you understand. Does that make sense? Because you asked the toughest question. I'll give you the toughest Bible study book I have with me. So here you go. I'll give you two after. One more question and then we'll call it a day. It can't be another Jubilee kid, sorry. Uh, go for it.
That was a great question. So reading Bible in a corporate setting, should that be how we read our Bible or should you read it on your own? I would say the most important thing is you learn to read that Bible on your own because you might be in an environment where you don't have those other people. You know, like that's almost like New Day thinking can also be like good church thinking. I go to a good church, but there was a time in my life I couldn't go because I was on tour. Suddenly, I don't have my Bible group with me. If I can only read the Bible when I'm with them, man, I'm on the ropes. So you need to... Do you remember when TJ was talking about that silent place, that personal place? That's the part of our lives we need to get strong. Because maybe God's called you to be a church planter. You're not going to have anyone there for the first two weeks. Do you know what I'm saying? So I would say the space and the time for corporate Bible reading together is important. But at the same time, it starts with the personal one. Okay? Now... Let's pray because I want to make sure that we really pray into what we've been saying all week. That new day is not real life, but in Jesus' name, when we go into our houses and our homes, we would know that Jesus is with us, okay? And the only reason I want to, I'm going to ask some people to stand up. The only reason I'm going to ask you to stand up is not to like embarrass you or whatever, but sometimes just to make a declaration by saying this is my moment, it can be really, really helpful in remembering these times. So I want you to, the first group of people I want to stand up is the people that are like, I have fallen victim to seeing New Day like a spiritual boost, but I want to be on fire all year. If that is you, don't just stand up because of the hype or it's a good vibe. But if you feel like I'm one of those people, I've been to New Day before and then I backslid immediately, but I don't want that to happen again. I want you to stand up for me real quickly. Don't, don't say nothing, just be quiet. And I want you to hold your hands out and close your eyes. Because I'm going to pray for you. King Jesus, I love that you're a God of grace and I love that you're a God of mercy. You understand us so deeply. I've been in this position so many times where I come back from New Day on fire for you and it's almost like by October it's completely run out. And I pray for every single person that has experienced that, that feels like that, that in Jesus' name would it not happen again. Would we know that you are always with us? Would we know that your presence is always amongst us? Those moments when it's difficult to worship, would you speak to us? Those moments when it's difficult to go to church, would you go with us? Those moments when it's difficult to pray, would you speak and minister to us? Those moments where I don't understand my Bible, would you speak through those words, King Jesus? I pray in Jesus' name, we wouldn't just go back straight to swearing, straight to doing whatever with our partners or whatever, straight to sinning, straight to talking to our parents how we want. But in Jesus' name, that the reason we've stood up right now is because because we're saying right now I'm standing for Christ. I'm not just going to fall down when temptation comes. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep standing. Because the next group of people I want to pray for is the group of people where you know you are going to a challenging environment. New Day is not real life for any of us, but you guys it's the people that feel like you're almost in heaven because of what you're escaping. Whether that's a house that is toxic, whether that's a living condition that isn't happy, whether it's parents that are difficult, whether it's struggles, maybe it's bullying in school, maybe it's some of you are thinking New Day isn't real life, but the real life I'm about to go to is a different type of battlefield. I want you to stand up real quickly. 
whatever reason it is, if it's a battle to you, it's a battle for God. Whether you think it's big or whether you think it's small, you're going to an environment that's difficult, even if it's just an environment where your friends aren't good for you and you know it, but it's just difficult to get out of that. Right now, I'm going to pray for all of you. King Jesus, I thank you because the battle is won because we have you, Jesus Christ. And I pray for every situation that we are about to go home to. There's a time and a place to pray that the situation changes. But right now, I want to explicitly pray, would you make us strong? Would you make us the salt in that light? Would you make us the people that can turn it around? Would you, would you be with us? We will pray into the situations another time. But right now, we are praying that, Lord Jesus, whatever circumstance I go to, will you be with me? When I read my Bible in a house that is, is crumbling around me, would you speak to me? Would my peace come from worshipping you? Even if it's on my AirPods, on my phone, no one knows it's happening. But would you speak to me in that moment? I, I had a picture of someone that it's like you're, you're, you're in your bed and you put the covers over your head. So it's almost like you can disappear from the house. I had that vivid picture that you're in your bed and it's like you put your covers over your head and so it's like you've disappeared. And I'm praying in Jesus' name that God will meet you under them covers in a powerful, powerful way. All of you that are going to difficult situations after this, whether it be a friendship group that's not good for you, whether it's a relationship that you know is not good for you, whether it's a parent situation that is difficult, that in Jesus' name he will make us strong. And the final group of people that I need to pray for, it would not be real if I didn't say this. Some of you are sat here and you realize I am not a Christian in the way I thought I was. I have not given my life to Christ. I don't know if Jesus is with me or not. I want to give you the opportunity right now to stand up and make the best decision of your life. So without talking... I just want you to stand up really quickly where it's like, I want to become a Christian. The worship, the prayer, the church, the Bible, it all makes sense. But without Jesus in your heart and saving your life, it doesn't make much sense. Do you hear what I'm saying? God bless every single one of you that stood up real quick. I'm going to pray for you. But when I pray, just repeat after me. We'll all support you as a family. So Lord Jesus, I give my life to you today on the 4th of august 23 i make the decision to follow you to live for you would you forgive my sins would you make me a new christian would you make me born again would you be with me in jesus name we pray amen